0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues his series entitled, I Am. This week, we look at the statement that Jesus makes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is by far one of the most controversial things that Jesus ever said. Listen, as Brandon explains, that this should not be looked at as a closed-minded statement, but one of love and acceptance. Good morning. How's everybody? Hope y'all are good. Man feels like I haven't preached in a month. It's been like two weeks, and it feels like it's been a month. So you guys, um, we'll get out about two. Is that all right with everybody? I mean, we're good? I mean, I, you know, just got to catch up. Uh, hey, really excited about something coming up. December the 11th, uh, we are doing another round of baptisms. Already have uh, four or five people we know of who, who desire to be baptized. want to give you that opportunity as well. Uh, if you've made a decision for Christ and you have not been baptized um, as a believer, uh, we believe that, that that's your next step, and I want to encourage you to take that step and be baptized December the 11th. We're going to go out to Splash in the Burrow. We've got the, the dome rented out there um, from 4 to 6 o'clock. We're going to do some baptisms, give everybody an opportunity. If they like to swim, they can swim and hang out. We're going to have some food, fellowship. It's going to be an awesome time. So uh, if, you, if you haven't been baptized and you know that God's telling you that's my next step uh, to take is to profess publicly my, uh, my faith, my love for Jesus, then, uh, sign up at next steps and let's get that done. It'll be an awesome time. Hope you all come out. If you're not being baptized, come out and fellowship. It's an opportunity to get to know some people and an opportunity, uh, just to, just to have a good time. So come out and join us for that. It's going to be an awesome day. Do you want to uh, go ahead and jump in here? We're going to continue this series called "I Am." Uh, we got this week and next week, and then we'll be wrapping that up, and then we're going into a series called "Marital Arts." It'll be about marriage and relationships, and so uh, we can all use a little, um, little teaching, little instruction, and some help. I know I can with uh, marriage. Um, be married 12 years next Sunday. Woohoo! Yeah, it's awesome, uh, and I've got it all figured out. So I'm going to share. It. I haven't. You know that's that's a lie. But, um, but we are going to be talking about marriage relationships, um, and, and I'm really excited about this. This is no joke. I've really I've been praying about this series since May. God put this on my heart since in, in May, and, and I'm so stoked to be able to share this with you um, the week after next. But um, we're going to wrap this up. I believe that this series has just gotten better and better as we've gone along, and my prayer is that that will continue today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John uh, chapter 14. We're going to look today at what I believe um, is the most controversial statement that Jesus ever made, especially in our day. But I believe in his day as well, Um, that this is the most controversial statement that Jesus has ever made. So this is going to be fun. You ready? John chapter 14, verse six, it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. For your love, your grace, thank you, God, that in sending Jesus, you showed us the I am. You showed us who you are. And God, as we look at these statements concerning your identity, God, I pray that our eyes would be opened ever more, And we would see you more and more clearly for who you are. God, and that today that, that would just continue. God, for people who are far from you today, I pray that you would draw them to you. And that they would draw near to you, Lord. Um, God, God, for us who are being called right now to take a next step, to take a next step of faith, God, I pray that we would be drawn into that as we begin to see you more clearly, God. We love you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, do an incredible work in our hearts here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you knew you were about to walk into something and it probably was not going to be good? We've all been there, right? Like you just kind of dreaded it. Um, I remember when I was in the first grade had a little buddy named tony and me and tony were big buddies and and, um and we we did everything together and 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 i was a lot like dake if y'all know my son dake i was a lot like dake kind of rough kind of kind of aggressive and so tony and i every day at recess we would go out and we would wrestle we wrestle and and the teachers would see us but one day tony accidentally kicked me in the lip and it busted my lip got busted and so I'm crying, you know, I'm in the first grade. I'm like, my live, I live, am dying. You know, I thought I was dying. And, and, and the teacher sees it. She gets angry with us because of this, this fight we're having and, and thinking that we actually got mad at each other and we're fighting. And so she sends us to the principal's office. Anybody remember your first trip to the principal's office? That was not fun. And I'm walking with Tony and, and Tony's like, it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right. First grade, it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right. Trying to talk me through this. I'm still crying because my lips busted. We get to the principal's office and back then they didn't like make you write sentences or they didn't send you to ISS or they didn't do any of that. They just beat you with a board. Y'all remember that back in those days? And so the principal, we're sitting out there and I'm all nervous. I'm like, gosh, I've never done this. I'm a good kid. Why is this happening to me? And so we go in and the principal's like, you know what you did wrong? You know, to fight. We're like, we're not fighting. He's like, yeah, I've heard all that before. And so he goes, okay, let's do this. And so he's like, assume the position. And so, you know, Tony somehow knew what this was. I'm like, okay. And so Tony turns around, he takes his licks and he's like, okay, Brandon, your turn. Oh, and so I turn around, whap, whap. I'm like, ah, I'm crying, all upset. Got got my first paddling at school. And then we're walking out and seriously, this is no joke. Tony puts his arm around me, two first graders walking out the door. He puts his arm around me and he goes, Brandon, don't worry about it. This happens to me all the time. And I'm like. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and, and it was so, it's so funny now at the time, man, I was, I was just messed up. But I remember that feeling of walking into that situation and feeling like, oh my goodness, man, this is not going to be good. And, and I know some of you had that feeling like guys, when you go play golf and you have to play the emergency nine, even though, you know, it's going to make you 30 minutes late to get to what your wife wanted you to get to. Y'all know that feeling. Like when you walk in the door and she's like got that look and she doesn't even have to say anything. You just know, or, 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 um, ladies, when you go shopping, and you come home and you've got all the bags and somehow you've got to get them past your husband. So you either leave them in the trunk until he goes to work or you try to slip them in some back way. You know what I'm saying? Because you bought more than you should have. Ladies, ladies and Sean Fox, y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? Right. I love Sean. I love Sean. But, but, but you know what I'm talking about? You try to, or maybe when you were a child, you knew like I have done something and I did it and I'm going to pay the consequences. And you're walking in and you're like, you're just waiting on it. You just know. Well, the reason I say that is this, listen, this message today, I, I feel somewhat like that. Okay. I feel somewhat like that because this message provokes people's emotions like no other. It does, because we are literally looking at this passage of Scripture in which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's the most controversial statement Jesus ever made. And here's the thing, I can tell you, I can preach just about any message, any topic, anything from the Word of God, and never get pushed back like I do this message. And so on one hand, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm walking into it, and I would just advise you, just, just keep your emails and Facebook, mail. I don't need them. I'm not, it's not going to change my mind, okay? But on one hand, I know I'm walking into this thing and going, there's going to be pushback. But on the other hand, I am so excited because the Bible says this is good news. And my prayer is today that God would open our heart and open our eyes to see that this is not a, to be a stumbling block. It can be the door to life. And so my prayer is today that the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts to open it, to receive what God has been telling us since the beginning of time. Pretty amazing that God didn't just write this story last month. He's been writing it. He wrote it before the foundations of the earth and he's been playing it out since he said, let there be light. And so here we are, we're going to, we're going to jump in here. We're going to look at this because this is the thing that I realized, guys, the problem in our culture isn't choices. Problem isn't choices, is it? The problem is making the right choice, is it not? How many choices are there out there? Millions. I mean, if you just go to the grocery store to buy a granola bar, you'll get confused. Oh my God, you're reading, comparing calories and fat and carbs. And you're like, I don't even know. Just give me a Milky Way. You know what I'm saying? Finally, I just get frustrated, I'll just eat what I know is good. And there's so many choices. And, and you come to this place and you're like, how do we make the right choice? The problem in our culture is not the, the number of choices. The problem in our culture is being able to make the right choice. It's making the right choice. And so here's the thing that I realized, because of this, because there's so many choices, and because of this one little fact, that we hate to be wrong, right? We hate to be wrong. In our culture, we've gone as far to say that there is no true right or wrong. We've done away with absolute truth, haven't we? Because we hate to be wrong. There's nobody in here that if I asked you, you'd be like, man, I love it when I'm wrong. Nobody does. We all hate it. And my, my son, Dake, who is a lot like me, you know, he's, he's a little stubborn, hates to be wrong, got it from me. We, we argue all the time. And this is our argument. It, it can be nighttime, and I'll say it's daytime, and he'll say, no, it's not. It's, it's dark. Or, or it's like, you know, it, the other day we're, we're getting ready for school and he's always concerned about the weather. It's going to rain today. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And so we're sitting there and, and he looks out the window and goes, it's cloudy. But I just been outside to my truck and seen it was sunny. He's like, it's cloudy, daddy. It's going to rain. Today. I said, it's not going to rain. It's sunny. No, it's not. It's cloudy. Like I just went to my truck. It's sunny. No, daddy, It's cloudy like, so why would I lie to you about what the weather's like? And he's like, it's cloudy. I'm like, it is sunny. And we're arguing back and forth, back and forth. And the truth is, none of us like to be wrong. None of us like to be wrong. I I hate hate to be wrong. I I hate to admit when I'm wrong. Susan is so much better than that at me. She makes a mistake. She does something that that she knows wasn't right. She comes to me, I'm sorry I did this. For me, it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. none of us really like to be wrong and and because of that we've taken any absolute truth we've taken anything that can make us wrong and we've said it doesn't exist and so what do we tell people just follow your heart just follow just do what you feel do what do what you think is right follow your heart have you ever heard that people tell you that don't they Follow your heart. The only problem is the Bible says our heart is wicked. And we always hear people say this, and I say it all the time too. Man, I love them. They have such a good heart. No, they don't. Because there's things in every one of us, every one of our hearts that aren't good. And so this thing of just follow your heart, whatever's right for you will be right, is wrong. But we don't like that because we don't like to be wrong. But in our culture, it's almost impossible to take a stand for what's right. In fact, if you take a stand on something and say that there's absolute truth, what do you get labeled as? Intolerant. Intolerant. You're intolerant. You're narrow-minded. Are you really that stupid? Come on. And it's funny to me too, guys. This This is so true. This is so true. In things of a spiritual nature, right? In religious things. Can you not say any God, God and be okay? But when you say Jesus, what happens? People lose their daggum mind. And isn't it funny that people are tolerant of everything but Christians? As long as you're tolerant of everything, they'll be tolerant of you. But the moment you take a stand on something and draw a line in the sand, they're no longer tolerant. It's amazing to me. And here's the truth of it, guys. When we say Jesus, you can say, you can have a higher power. You can call out any other God's name. You can talk about God. You can talk about the creator. You can talk about all these things. That door can be your God. But the moment you say Jesus, you get pushed back. Why? This statement. This statement. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Most controversial statement in Scripture. Why? We don't like absolute truth. We, and we can't tolerate somebody who draws a line in the sand and doesn't believe it exactly like we do. So here's the thing, guys. This, this, this is what I want to do today. Today, I want to take just a few minutes, and I know some of you are like, you're going to think this is heretical, but just, just sit down. Just don't go anywhere yet. I'm going to tell you three ways that you can get to heaven without Jesus. Okay? Three ways you can get to God. You can get to the Father. I mean, Jesus said you can't get there except through him, but I'm I'm going to tell you three ways you can. Okay? Everybody ready? All right, number one. You ready? First way you can get to heaven apart from Jesus. Never sin. Just never sin, all right? Never sin. Anybody in trouble? You're like, dang it! What's number two? <laughs> right? Because we've all we all know, like we we've already screwed that one up. We've all we've all sinned. And, and here, here's number two. Number two: recreate yourself and make yourself perfect. Dang it! Number three. What's number three? But recreate yourself. Make yourself perfect. And and here's the deal. I'm not talking about like a a manny petty kind of kind of recreate yourself. Not talking about you know you know what I'm saying. What is that? Did I say that right? A manny petty. What is it? Help me out. I've never had one. Manny petty. Thank you. Who was that? Got an A for today, Denise. Thank you. Manny petty. Meddy petty. Whatever that is. I don't know. But, but, but I'm not talking about this superficial makeover. I'm talking about being able to recreate yourself, taking your past, doing away with it so that you become a new creation, perfect in every way. That's all we got to do. We can get to the Father if we can recreate ourselves and make ourselves perfect. We don't need Jesus, okay? Here's the, here's the, the third way. Third way. Some of y'all are holding your breath. You're like, come on, lucky sevens. Third Third way. If you can get God to change his character or his word, you don't need Jesus. You don't need him. Because if you can get God to go back on his character or his word, you don't have to have Jesus. God could just say, it's all right. He could. He could say that. He could, he could just go, you know what? Whatever. Right? If you could get him to change his character and his word, you could get to heaven without Jesus. So there's three ways. We can never sin. We can recreate ourselves and make ourselves perfect, which, by the way, the only person I know who ever has thought they did that was my father-in-law. And, and he, you know, if you know him, you get that. Um, and he does, too. I already told him I was going to say it. So don't be like, ooh, he's going to get, no, he's not. Um, or you can get God to change his character and his word. And, and then... We can get there. We can could, we could do it apart from Christ. We could do it. But here's the problem, guys, right? right. Like We can't do any of those, can we? We can't do any one of those things to make ourselves able to get to the Father. And if we look at this and we begin to understand it, that, that every other path to Jesus, every other way doesn't work. Or every other path to the Father, it doesn't work. It doesn't get us there. And so what do we do with this, with this John 14, 6? I mean, if, if Jesus is claiming this, if he's, if he's saying I'm the only way and we realize that we're not any of those three things, what do we do? This is what I would say. I would say as Christians, we need to learn why it's true, right? We need to learn why it's true. How many of you are tired of seeing people go on CNN, these famous preachers, and they dodge the question? They get on CNN and, and and Larry King. He's like, "So, uh, do you really believe that you can't go to heaven apart from Jesus?" And every they start squirming. Unless it's on the other, unless it's on the other side where they're like, "Everybody's going to hell in the handbasket." You know what I'm saying? It's either one or the other. They either take that stance and, and never even talk about the grace and love of Jesus, or they're like, "You're going to hell." You know what I'm saying? And and then you get the other guy over here. He's squirming. He doesn't want to answer. And they'll do something like this. They'll be like, well, Larry, I'd really like to focus on the things that unite us (laughs) and not the things that divide us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Let me buy his book. Seriously? Why don't we get to a point where we know the daggum truth? Seriously? Come on. I mean, we look at these people and they don't they don't have a clue. Let's stand on something. We look like a bunch of idiots because we don't know what we believe. Wow. And, and you see them, they dodge it all the time. So this is what I would say. Listen, if you're a Christian in here today, this is what I would say about John fourteen six. Let's learn why it's true so that we can intelligently express ourselves. If you're not a Christian and you believe that there is a holy God, who is good and just and and righteous and perfect, like in other words, if you believe there's a God and you don't think he's an idiot, basically, then you, you, you ought to listen to this message because we just told you three ways you can get to God, the only three ways apart from Jesus. And let's be honest, none of us are those or able to do those. And so we, we, need to be honest about the fact that maybe this message today has some serious implications about my eternity. And the third one would be like, if you don't believe in God at all, and be honest, like, I don't even know what to do. I don't, I don't know, because I don't know how we can look around at all of this creation and think that it just came about without a creator. Like that something came from nothing. How? Really? A creation without a creator? I don't think so. And so really for someone who doesn't believe in in God, who looks at the creation and and thinks that it could have come without a creator, this is what I would say. I I would really say you have more faith in nothing than I have in God. That's that's, that's, that's wild. But my prayer is that, that the Holy Spirit of God but awaken our hearts to the reality of who he is wherever you are today in this message. So I think that the thing that we have to do is we've got to understand why John 14, 6 is true. And listen, if those are the three things that you can do to get to God without the Father does it or without Jesus, does it not stand to reason that those are the three things that God would have to do to get us to him? Right? Think about it. Let's just take them one by one. Let's just, and we're going to read a lot of scripture. You, you don't have to, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. And, and, and we're going to look at some different scriptures. But I want you to understand this. I want you to get these three things so that when somebody says, you're a Christian, you're so intolerant. And don't think this doesn't happen. I talk to people all the time that as soon as people find out they're Christians, they believe in Jesus. They get labeled. They get, You believe that he's the only way? Yeah, let me tell you why. Give me a minute. Let me, let me explain it to you. And so the first thing we need to look at is this. We said that if, if, if we could never sin, if we, if we never sin, we could get to God, right? Because he, he, he's perfect, he's holy, we could come to God if we never sin. Well, how about this? Here's the deal. We've all sinned. Listen to these verses. I just want to read this to you. Romans 3, verse 9. It said, what shall we conclude then? We, are we any better? Not at all we 've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are alike are all under sin, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, there is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. all have turned away, they have together become worthless. there is no one who does good, not even one. And then you've got over in Romans three, right over just a few verses down in, in verse 22, the last part, it says, there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's he saying? It doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter if you're Chinese. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It don't matter what tribe you're from. It don't matter where you work. It don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter what your kids look like. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. that's like all. you and I, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's this other verse of scripture in the New Testament. It's Hebrews 4:15. And this is what it says. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we have, yet was without sin. Isn't that amazing? That you could live an entire life and never sin. Never sin. And you know what's funny is after the death of Jesus and his resurrection, that the disciples would talk about the, the perfect sacrifice. They would talk about the perfection and righteousness of Jesus. And you know, the argument people did not make was that we saw him sin. That wasn't the thing that they were battling. It was, that wasn't it. It was never like we saw him when he was building that chair back when he was a carpenter, he hit his finger and he cussed. We heard him. We saw him smoking that cigarette behind that rock. You know what I'm saying? It it, it wasn't like that. You know, he drank a little too much the other night. Yeah, no. He he lived a perfect life. And here's the awesome thing about having a perfect high priest is it says that he, he, he not only didn't sin, but he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that awesome? To have a God that understands what you're going through, that understands your temptation. And doesn't it make sense that, that if, if you're going to go to somebody, like you're having, a, having trouble, you're having struggles, you're having an issue, don't you want to go to somebody who, who, who's been through it? Like you're having trouble in your marriage, don't you want to go to somebody who, who walked through that? If you find out that you know, you've got cancer, who do you want to talk to? Somebody that went through it. And here's the awesome thing about Jesus is he's been through the temptation, but he did not sin. And it says that we have access to him. We can go to him. He's been through it all. And listen, he won. That's the God that we get to go to. That's the God who came to earth and lived, put on human flesh so that he could walk through what we walk through and go, guess what? I won. And now so can you. Because of his victory over sin and over death. You and I can have victory over sin and over death. And it comes through him. He lived a perfect life because you and I couldn't. That's the first reason that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That is because he came and lived in a way that we never could. Put on human flesh, tempted as we are, yet never, ever sinned. Second, what we said was that if you can recreate yourself in perfection, then you can do it. And and here's the thing is like I told you, it's not this superficial, non-invasive makeover, religious makeover. It's not like taking it and trying to do like a little, tuck a little sin here, you know, nip a little sin there. You know what I'm saying? That's not what it's talking. I'm talking about being able to be made, remade, being perfect. Being able to be remade and, and have no sin. I'm talking about being able to take your past like a dry erase board, erase all those things that were wrong, that that, that we've all done because we just established we couldn't live a perfect life, erase all those things, and then not only that, but live perfectly from that point on. Oh my gosh! Like, even if we could do away with the past. Most of us are going to probably sin before we get out of the church parking lot. Right? You and your wife, you get back in the car and you take up that argument. and All of a sudden, tempers are flying or the kids are like, you know, and you're like, ah, fighting over where you're going to go eat or what you're going to do. Everybody's at each other, and you're, you know, and then somebody pulls you and, and cuts you off get, and you, you give them the finger in the church parking lot. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Why? Because even if we could do away with the past, we're going to do, I mean, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. And so even if we could somehow just magically go erase all that, it's, we still got all this. And so Jesus comes, he lives his perfect life. He dies for us on the cross. And and then here's the awesome thing about it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that he was in Christ as a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So we don't get the gravity of that. Do you realize that with perfections on your record, with perfections in your life, you cannot stand before a holy God. But when we come to Christ, he gives us his perfection, places it on us and we become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come so that we're now dead to sin and we come alive in Christ. New life. And it doesn't happen because you come in on Sunday morning and hear a message. It happens because you embrace the God of the universe who makes it happen. Who says, I've made a way where there is no way. The thing I want you guys to understand is that your sin-stained past has been nailed to a blood-stained cross. That means it's finished. It's over. It's done. Move on. And see, to me, that doesn't sound like a God who is narrow-minded. It doesn't sound like a God who's intolerant. It sounds like a God who kicked open the door of heaven and says, come on in. You see the difference? I mean, when you become a Christian and you're looking at Jesus from the the other side, like you've crossed over that threshold of eternity and you look back and you see all these other choices and and you realize like, man, that way it's narrow compared to all the paths of destruction, but it's really pretty broad when you look at the fact there was no way until he came. Right? And so we get to this place where we realize that God, through Jesus, has given us his perfection. Perfection when we simply trust in him for the perfection we can never have. We trust in him to take that record, all that stuff that we've screwed up, all that stuff that we've done wrong. And he goes, I'm gonna separate it as far as the east is to the west. I'm gonna take your sin. I'm gonna throw them so far from you, they're never gonna catch up with you. And yet, how many people in here today you're running from something in your past? You just keep running. And the thing is, all you gotta do is hit your knees and say, Jesus. I can't do it. And then the power of God begins to come into your life. You can actually have assurance that, you know what? I have been made whole. I have been cleansed. I have been recreated. I want to tell you, man, when, when, when I finally came to the realization of who Jesus is, I had run so hard and fast away from him. And the moment that I came to him and I realized, like, who he is, and that I'd run so far, so fast, and trying to get away, trying to go. And when I turned around, it was like, boo! I was like, ah! He was still there. I couldn't get away from him. And he wasn't there to smack me upside the head. He was there to embrace me. We would just sing a song, we're running to your arms. You know that's what Jesus longs for us to do? To run to his arms? To to come to a place where we accept what he did for us? that we accept the way that he's made for us to come to know him. So Jesus came and he lived this sinless life that we could never live through the power of his death and resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit that plucks out our heart of stone, gives us a new heart of flesh, and that God writes his love and his decrees on. He, he's recreated us. He's taken, listen, 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 this ought to encourage you. He's taken care of your past. He's taking care of your present and he's taking care of your future. Every bit of that was tied up in the cross. Yeah! Dang! I mean, that's awesome. The past, the present, the future, it's taken care of. You know, when, when he said it's finished, what do you think he means? He's hanging on the cross. He's about to breathe his last breath and he yells out, It's finished! I Man, it's finished. It's done. Past, present, future. I've taken care of it. And here's something I learned this week reading, reading a book. The word, the Greek word for finish, it doesn't mean that, 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 that it's done at that moment. It doesn't mean that it just took care of that time. It means that it has been taken care of and will be forever taken care of. Is that amazing? So y'all must not have a past like I have. Because y'all be like, woohoo! that's amazing past present future taken care of why because we are a new creation in christ the third one we said was that if we could change god's word and his character maybe he could just give us a pass you know what i mean like you get up there and like they're standing at the gates and he's like listen don't tell anybody but come on just hurry 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 you know what i'm saying just scoot on in hurry but here's the thing the Bible says that, that heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will last forever. It's not changing. God, by his very nature and character, cannot change. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is good news because he took care of our past, present, and our future. He's going to be the same God that, that he was when he forgave you as he is right now, as, as to the God that, that you're going to meet tomorrow. And thank God. He does not wake up like in a bad mood. Like you do sometimes you wake up and you sometimes just like grouchy. God's not that way. He's not going to change his mind tomorrow and be like, I don't love y'all anymore. He's been the same forever. And it, and his word is unchanging. His character is unchanging. And, and, and instead of, of God changing his word to lower himself to our standards, he fulfilled his word to raise us up to his. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. In other words, Jesus was the word. Jesus was the word made flesh. And so we see that he became the word. I believe that probably the conversation went something like this. Okay, Jesus, I've been telling them for thousands of years now who I am. They can't get it. So it's time for you to go and show them. Hebrews 1.3 says this, it says that Jesus is the express image of God, meaning in every way, when you look at who Jesus is, who he he was when he walked the earth, we can see a picture of God. And so we begin to realize that that God is love, God is grace. You know, I I never saw in the scripture where Jesus killed anybody. You know what I'm saying? He was always healing people. He was always going to the least of these and, and taking them With him. But we begin to see the character. And the nature of God. We see the perfection of God. The sinless life. The recreation. The perfect past, present and future. And we get to this place where we realize. Like God doesn't change. And here's the thing guys. If he is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. Then he can't change that because for him to begin to change and not do the right thing by him to begin to change and not do justice would be for him to deny himself. Let me explain it this way. We all love to see justice happen, right? I mean, if somebody comes and robs your big screen TV out of your house, you want them to be caught, don't you? Like, get them. Or how about this? How about this? How about when, when, when we're all watching the television and they found Casey Anthony innocent, right? Let's touch on that just a second. Anybody get a little upset? Yeah. Anybody get a little upset? Or, or, or how about this? How about when they finally got Osama bin Laden? I mean, there, there's part of you that remorses that anybody goes through those things, but then there's the other part of thank God they got him. Or about, it? let's take it on back for some of us. Let's date ourselves a little bit for the older folks. How about the O.J. Simpson case, right? Y'all remember that? Like trying to put the glove on? And whether we're right or whether they're right, the fact is when we feel like justice hasn't been served, we get angry, don't we? I'm not saying they're guilty. Don't be like, said. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we feel that justice was not served, when it was not done, we get angry. And here's the funny thing about that. This is the funny thing about it. We love justice until it's being executed on us. Don't we? <laughs> we hate that. It's like you should get out of every speeding ticket you've ever gotten, but everybody else really doesn't matter about them, Right? But it's me. Come on, man. It's me. And and so we love justice until it's being executed on us. The thing we have to realize is that evil deserves to be punished. And we would all agree with that until it becomes personal to us. We would all agree that evil has to be punished. In fact, we would even say, if God is good, why doesn't he do away with evil? Because he'd have to do away with you he'd have to do away with me. So he could get rid of evil. It'd just be at the expense of people he loved. Do you see the love in that? Do you see the love in the fact that rather than just terminating all of us, he said, I'm going to make a way. And what I want to tell you about the cross and John Stott says it. he's a, a, a Arthur, he passed away not long ago, but, but he, said, he said this, he said that the cross is the righteous way that God righteouses the unrighteous. It's the only way. Sin had to be punished. It had to be dealt with. There is no way for evil, for sin, to walk into the presence of perfection because it then becomes imperfect. Were you good? I mean, does that make sense? That, that if if you can't put something on a white canvas and it still be white, right? No matter how big the stain, you can't, it's not white anymore, it's stained. And God, when he looks at us, there is evil, there is, there's, there's, there's the, the the due punishment that our sin deserves. And yet in God's mercy and his love and his grace and his patience, he gave us time that we could come to him. He gave us a way that we could come to him, that we can know him, that he could do away with sin without doing away with sin. With us. And because his character is perfect. Because he is by his nature holy. And because he is unchanging. For him to not punish evil. For him to not punish sin. Would make him no longer righteous. And no longer just. He would lose his own character. And he cannot do. Go against his own character. Listen to these verses. These are, these are awesome verses. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. It says, or do you you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Listen to this one in 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, just because sin wasn't done away with for those years, it wasn't God just because he hasn't eradicated evil. It wasn't God turning his head to it. He knew it had to be dealt with. He's saying the reason that he gave you this time is because he loves you. And even his patience is, is his loving kindness giving you an opportunity to come back to him. And when he brought Jesus on the scene and Jesus died on the cross, all the wrath of God for sin fell upon him. We even see it in in creation. I mean, the Bible tells us the sky went dark. Even creation responded, you know, when Jesus was in the garden and he's sweating drops of blood, it wasn't the cross that he was afraid of. It was the separation from himself and his father that he never experienced before, that he knew was going to happen because of our sin. And because he was willing to take our sin on his perfect body, he was able to give us the perfection that we can never get on our own. He was willing to be separated from the father. So you and I don't have to be. And so we see that in God's character his unchanging nature his perfection his justice his holiness he made a way for us to come to him when there was no other way and then when we come to Jesus and we we look at him and we're like God I want that I want you to give me perfection I want that righteousness that I can never get on my own God God I need that I realize I am messed up I am jacked up God I am I know I am and then God takes that life of Christ that was perfect. The only way he could have been the perfect spotless lamb. And he places it over us. And God begins to see us in a righteousness that we could never have earned. That we could have never gotten to. And, and I just want to just listen. Every religion in the world, except for Christianity, places God on a pinnacle and says, come to him. Christianity is the only religion in which God got out of heaven and came to earth so that he could take us back to where he came from. It's the only one. And listen, does it even make sense that you and I could ever possibly do enough good to equal ourselves out to a holy God? No, no, it doesn't even make sense. And here's the thing that the Bible tells us, Romans 10, 9 and 10, we're about to wrap this up. Romans 10, 9 and 10, or 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, the first thing that needs to happen is you gotta have an understanding. Something happens in your heart that you begin to realize that Jesus is the way. That you believe he was raised from the dead. He died for my sins. And through him, I can have life. And then it says, you confess the truth with your mouth that he is the Lord. And then you know what happens after that? We begin to have the life that God longs for us to have. We are able to enter into true life. And here's the thing that we cannot negate, guys, is the power of God in the gospel. In fact, I know because I can see your faces. Some of you checked out a long time ago. But you know, the Bible is very clear that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it's the power of God. And I'll make you this promise. Listen, 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 church. I will forever preach this gospel. I'm not going to back down from it because I believe it. Listen, it is the good news. It is the way to life. And when we come to, to God and we say, God, I admit it, I, I screwed up. My life's a mess. And it, even, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, it might not be as big a mess as it was, but it's still a mess, right? It's just a little better than it was, maybe a lot better, but, but there's still things where we're, we're sloppy. And we come to him and we admit it, we find grace. We find forgiveness. We find power to live the way God desires us to live. I'll close with this. Listen, when, when Dake and I were arguing about that, that window, about that cloud, Dake was looking out the window of, we've got some French doors in, in the back and, and he was looking out a window and he saw this one cloud in the sky and, and I walked outside and I was at my truck and I looked up, I was actually thinking, man, this is a pretty day and I'm walking around looking and, and just thinking, God, man, this is awesome. And I walk in and Dake's like, Daddy, it's cloudy, it's gonna rain. I said, Dake, it's not gonna rain. It's not, I, I promise. It's not, there's, there's not hardly a cloud in the sky. He goes, yeah, there is, Daddy. There's one right there. My like, son, it's sunny. He goes, no, it's It's cloudy. I said, Dake, it's sunny. And, and we walked out to get in the truck to go to school. I was taking him to school that day. You ever have those moments, parents, where you walk out and you're like, I told you so. I told you so. And he walked out, he looks up at the sky and he, he realizes like, oh. And you know what I believe Christianity has been for a lot of people? It, it, we, we've looked at it the wrong way and that we've looked at it through this small window. And we've seen Jesus as this this exclusive figure. We've seen him as this this thing that that boxes us in where we only see part of the picture. And we don't realize that he is actually the door that we walk through so that we can truly see. And that we can can truly see clearly. I mean, he's looking through this one little, little narrow window and all he can see is the clouds. And when he walks outside, he's like, oh. Now I understand. I believe that our conversion, our coming to Christ is a lot like that. For many of us, we we look at God through this small window and we look at Christianity and we go, how could they be so narrow-minded? How could they be so ignorant? And yet when we finally, we finally hear the Lord knocking on the door of our hearts and we open the door and we walk through, we go, oh. This is what they were talking about. Now I get it. Like don't, 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 don't try to figure God out looking through a window, watching life happen, when you can walk through the door that he's created through his son and have life. See clearly, understand your purpose, your calling. Some of us, we've been Christians a long time, but we know that God's called us to this next step. And, and so there's times, even as Christians, we begin to look at God through this narrow box and we box him into what he can and can't do. And this is the thing I know for many people in here today God's calling you to take some step of faith, your next step. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. And you know you've got to take that step. My encouragement is walk through the next door, walk through the next door so that you can see clearly it's Just so many times that's the way God does things we don't see the whole picture until we take the step of faith and we walk through the next door and we go wow thank God thank God what's he calling you to do what's the next step of your faith you can't go on a spiritual journey until you take your next step And then you take your next and you take a next. That's why it's a journey. Because you're walking it out. What's your next step? Seriously, think about it. What's your next step? What does God put on your heart? What's in your heart right now you know? Is it is it reconciling a relationship? Is it is it working on your marriage? Is it taking your next step in your marriage? Is it something you need to do with your kids? Do you need to start pouring into them spiritually? Is it what is it is it something to do with work? Is there somebody at work you're supposed to be sharing your faith with or or witnessing to or sharing your testimony with? What is your next step that God's called you to? Is it to begin serving in the church so that other people have the opportunity to experience what you have, this conversion of walking through the door and going, wow. Is it getting in a connect group because you weren't created to do life alone? Is it coming to salvation and finally going, I realize, God, I need you, your spirit. It's awaking something. I recognize that the hand of a holy God is knocking on the door of my heart walk through that what is it what's your next step this is what I know everybody in here has a next step there's something that God's called you to salvation baptism serving connect group whatever it is and today this is what I want you to do I I, I want you to nail that down I want you to to get to a place where today you're willing to say I'm taking my next step so this is what I want to ask you to do. You, you, here, right now, when when I started talking about next step, there's something that jumped in your heart. And today is recognizing Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, that he is everything in our life. I'm gonna take that next step and do what God has called me to do. This is what I wanna ask you. You're willing to do that. You're willing to take your next step. You're willing to go public with that and say, I'm taking my next step. I'm gonna do it and, and I mean it. I want you to just stand up. And like right now, let's stand. If you're, if you're willing to take your next step, I want you to stand up to your feet and say, I'm gonna trust Jesus and be willing to take my next step of faith. You, are you willing to do that? willing to stand. Amen. Because here's the thing. As you walk, as you walk through that door, that next step, that next door, that way that God's made for you to come into life, you're going to walk through and be like, oh my gosh. The past is gone. I've been forgiven. I've been made whole. I've been made clean. I've been My slate's been wiped away. And now I can live without the burden, not the burden of all that, all that past, all that junk, all that worry, all that anxiety. Today, God takes it off by the power of his Holy Spirit by the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. And I wanna ask you this, and we're about to get out of here, but I wanna know, today is the first time you have ever, ever said, I'm gonna put my trust in Christ. In other words, this is your conversion. This is the day you open the door and you walk through into eternity with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. Will you stick your hand in the air? Anybody today making a first-time decision, we wanna celebrate with you. Is anybody here doing that today? If you make that decision, you're not standing, you didn't raise your hand, come see us afterwards. We'll pray with you. Listen, we want you to take your next step. Let's pray.